when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Now, this is Cork Today with Patricia Messenger. On the home of Cork's greatest hits. Cork's greatest hits. And a very good morning to you on what looking out the window is a gorgeous, bright autumnal morning. Long may this nice, fine weather that we're experiencing at the moment. Long, long may continue. John Paul is taking your calls. If there's anything you want to share with us today, 1850-333-103. Text and WhatsApp also available. Already seen some WhatsApps coming in. You're quick off the mark this morning. 0862-103-103. I will play out in a couple of minutes because the messages that are coming in are to do with the presidential election and in particular uh, one candidate uh, Peter Casey and the comments that he made in um, it was a podcast given to the interview was given to the group political editor of the Irish Independent Kevin Doyle and he spoke to the presidential candidate uh, Peter Casey on this podcast for the independent uh, dot IE and they were talking about I think they were talking about housing uh, was when he started having a pop off the travelling community and it was kind of linked to a story that we got a lot of reaction to uh, last week which was the travellers who have refused to move in to the housing development six houses that have been built for the travelling community and it's for a group of 50 who have been living in this area of Thurless and they're living across the road from where these houses have been built and of course as we heard last week because there wasn't stables and a half an acre of land at the back of every house the travellers are refusing to move into what are now turnkey ready to move in all fitted out and kitted out and gorgeous, certainly looking at the photographs uh, a stunning housing development but they're refusing to move in so it led on then to Peter Casey and uh, comments that he's now been accused uh, as being racist for making in a couple of minutes we'll play out a little bit of the particular interview and uh, we will, we're will we interested in your thoughts and comments on it but I suppose the big story this morning is the latest Irish Times Ipsos MRBI opinion poll no real surprise here I suppose it is putting Michael Higgins way out in front 66% of the vote his nearest rival is Sean Gallagher on 12% Leonie Rieda is on 11% Joan Freeman on 5 Gavin Duffy on 4 and Peter Casey brings up the rear on and two bearing that the margin of error, error is plus or minus 2.8% so it could actually leave him with a minus vote which I think is unlikely he'll, he'll pick up some votes I suppose um, but anyway that's the way the opinion polls looking at the moment by the way when I mention uh, Leonie Rieda 
She will be joining us live in studio actually next uh, Tuesday. We put the offer out to all of the presidential candidates. We've spoken with Sean Gallagher, we've spoken with Joan Freeman. Haven't heard back. I don't know if Michael D. Higgins is doing many interviews with local radio stations, but we've also put the call out to Gavin Duffy and Peter Casey. They haven't responded yet, but Leonie Rieda has uh, agreed to an interview and she's actually agreed to join us in studio. So she'll be the first of the candidates to come live to studio. So we'll speak with Leah and as we've done with the two previous candidates, if you've got a question for Leah, you can get it into us but it's not until Tuesday of next week and I will remind you of that again but as I said at the outset certainly this opinion poll is going to put a smile on the face of Michael D. Higgins the support for Michael D. Higgins in this opinion poll highest in Dublin and highest here in Munster in Dublin 71% of the first preference votes are expected to go to Michael D. and in Munster he is 60% of the votes who's going to vote for him? Better off voters is what we're told according to this opinion poll. Farmers, voters in urban areas all more likely to support Michael D. Higgins and if this opinion poll is to be believed he will win votes in large numbers across all ages, across all classes and across all areas which I know is going to lead lead to the question why are we having a presidential election at all when it's going to cost the state 15 million euro and when I say cost the state cost the taxpayers 15 million euro I know the uh, actual candidates themselves and a lot of them will be out of pocket because if they don't get to is it 5% of the vote that they have to get to in order to get their expenses back and it's it's looking like certainly the three lowest at the moment Joan Freeman is just hovering at the 5% uh, Gavin Duffy and Peter Casey though if that opinion poll is to be believed and that was the result result today of the election on the 26th they wouldn't be getting their expenses back it's going to be a big it won't be a big problem for Gavin Duffy and Peter Casey because they can afford to take the hit Joel Freeman though could end up with a lot of debt so it's important to her that she uh, maintains that figure so that she can at least get her her expenses back. Um, as I say, we'll look at the Peter Casey issue uh, in more detail in a couple of minutes. But also coming up on the programme today, how do we end dumping at bottle banks and uh, the recycling centres? Now, not the civic community sites, because all of the civic community sites have staff. And if you've ever visited a civic community site, you will know how well run they are. They are superb. I've been to a few of them and I always come away singing their praises, saying this is fantastic. This is a recycling scheme that really works. We just need, I think, more people to use them. But if you go there, you know what I'm talking about. They are spotlessly clean. They always have great workers in there who are just always willing to help. As soon as I pull up in my car and pop the boost, there's somebody over saying, what have you got? Showing me where to go, helping me to take things out of the boost. They really are. The staff there who who are work for the council really have to be complimented. They're terrific. And, and I know when I mention it, I'll inevitably get calls in from people saying they've been at such and such a civic community site and agreeing 100% with anything I have to say about the staff. And then for people who don't go to civic community sites, and not everybody needs to go to a civic community site, people will bring their bottles and their cans for recycling and we know how important recycling is for the environment and to have these bottle banks and they're dotted all over the county and they are great but they get abused. How do we stop them being abused? How do we get people into the mentality that if you're going to go to the bother of bringing your items to the bring site and then you get there and it's full and you know the council do their best uh, and repack um, is it repack or responsible I, think, I don't know if it's the I think it's the councillor responsible are they for emptying it but anyway they do their best 
to empty them but they'll always be very busy times Christmas is always a nightmare around the bring sites and you know probably after long weekends if people are uh, have you know might be having parties on or just doing extra drinking at home they'll have extra bottles so there can be times where the bottle banks fill up quicker than at other times and certain days where they fill up quicker than on other days and they do the best to, to empty them but if you go to the bother of bringing your bottles there and then it's full, you know, we just try to encourage people, please just bring them home, bring them home with you, don't leave them. So we're going to look at what can the council do to try to clean up and keep our bottle banks and the areas around them as clean as possible. The Society of Vincent de Paul, we've asked them to join us on the programme because they've come out this week about the back to school clothing and footwear allowance. Now, there was an increase announced in the budget, I think it's an extra €25 Euro is going to be given to the back-to-school clothing and footwear allowance, which obviously for people on low income, because it's means-tested, um, so those that are entitled to it will be pleased with that. But Vincent de Paul are coming out saying it's still not enough because, and they know, they're seeing an increase in the number of families who are coming to them saying, I've got a son or a daughter going back to school and I can't cover all of the costs. So Vincent de Paul are jumping in uh, to help out. So they're putting a plea out to the government saying, look at our figures, Look at the amount of money we've had to hand over just to get kids back to school this year. You need to do more about it. So we'll look at that on the programme. When will the Waterloo Junction reopen? Uh, locals who live there, they've had their lives upended with the closure of this junction. It's been closed now since June, June or July, certainly since the summer uh, they closed it. And the locals, in fairness, have got together. They formed... Um, a support group, you know, and they were protesting only last week at uh, County Hall. But it's, sometimes you feel the locals are just not being listened to because all the locals have got together. As far as I know, all of the elected representatives on Cork County Council are agreeing with the locals and feel that the junction should be reopened. But the executive, for whatever reason, are very slow to reopen the junction. I know Own English had a piece in yesterday's paper where it looked like the executive are saying that they're not going to reopen it before the end of the year which is you know going into we're into the uh, autumn winter months and darker evenings and it's just going to make life hell for people living there and then my big worry is because the traffic have to divert and take other roads they're going on roads uh, that are just not were never designed to take a heavy volume of traffic and now there's extra volume of traffic on those back roads and by roads and you just will be fearful if, if is this really an accident waiting to happen the junction has been closed for road safety reasons but are they now putting safety on other roads and they're now making that uh, an, an issue so we'll look at that uh, this morning on the programme we are looking for your hidden gems if you live along the Wild Atlantic Way is there something in your area on the Wild Atlantic Way that only local peoples know about it's a little bit off the beaten path uh, it could be a quirky little shop it could be a very special cafe maybe a very unique hotel is there a nice cove that a lot of people don't know about are there walkways that only local people people know? It's kind of the hidden gems. A lot of the big tourist areas and tourist amenities, they all get well advertised along the Wild Atlantic Way. But this is a new marketing campaign to try to get people to come to the area and get them to stay a little bit longer and to find those little hidden gems. So we'll hear more about that on the programme today. And of course, it's also Wednesday. What does that mean? Peter Dowdle joins us from the Irish Gardener answering all of your gardening questions. If you have a gardening question, 
you can get it in throughout the morning. 1850-333-103. You can text your WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And I also want to give a warning out to business people. At the moment, this is for business people in Mallow, but this, I suppose, could be business people anywhere. anywhere. Subway in Mallow yesterday put up on their social media a warning to customers, but particularly to businesses, that they had a customer who tried to pass a fake 50 euro note over the counter. Now, luckily, the staff at Subway in Mallow obviously being well trained uh, they recognised it and obviously refused to cash it but what the staff noticed was these notes are different to other fake notes that they've seen in the past because they do not turn black with the marker which is what traditionally happens on a fake 50 euro note and these can only be detected by carefully looking at the watermark. Now the people who tried to pass them off at Subway in uh, Mallow also went into another business and tried to pass off a 50 euro note to Subway are just, they put it up, well done for putting it up on their social media just to warn others because 50 euro, you know, there's a lot of small businesses can't afford to lose out on uh, 50 euro or if a couple of 50 euros were passed. So please be mindful of that. Fake 50 euro notes. As I say, yesterday they were in the Mallow area. They could be anywhere today. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. As the presidential candidate, Peter Casey, that seems to be getting the most uh, attention today. He's now facing calls to pull out of the race. This was after claiming that travellers should not be recognised as an ethnic minority, he says, because they are basically camping in somebody else's land. Uh, the businessman launched this attack uh, on the community, arguing that they're not paying their fair share of uh, taxes. And of course, as we all know, history was made last year when the doll gave formal recognition to travellers and uh, marking them as a, di- a distinct ethnic group within the state. Now, he was speaking, Peter Casey was speaking with the group political editor of the Irish Independent, Kevin uh, Doyle, for a podcast called The Floating Voter. Just take a listen. This is just um, a little piece of what Peter Casey had to say, particularly about the travelling community. Yeah, I don't believe that travellers should be given special uh, status. You know, it's why should they be given status over and above yourself or myself? You know, but they are seen as a, as a minority ethnicity. <sighs> That's a load of nonsense. You know, they're not Romaning, uh, Romani or whatever. You know, they're not they're not from Romania. They're not. You know, they're basically people that are camping on somebody else's land. You know, imagine the poor farmer whose land that they camped on. You know, and he, who'll buy the land from him? You know, the neighbours and the houses all around. Do you think they're sitting there going, this is great for my property value because I've now got three dozen caravans down the road. You know, that's just wrong, you know. And I think it needs to be, somebody needs to sit up and say, this is nonsense. And here we are giving them luxurious houses and they're turning them down because they want stables. But they know that nobody else will move into the house, you see. I mean, can you imagine the brave person that would go in Dublin Oh, I'd love a lovely four-bedroomed house with solar panels and beautifully kitted-out kitchens. Do you think would they move in past all the, the, the travellers that are sitting out there waiting, watching them move? Not going to happen. And of course, he's so he- they're, t- they're afraid of them. 
And of course, he's talking there about the dispute in County Tipperary where the six homes are, are empty. They cost Tipperary County Council 1.7 million euro development. And of course, the traveller families won't move in until uh, they want stables and uh, land uh, for their uh, horses. Peter Casey went on to say, I'm sorry, that's there's something seriously wrong with society when we're at that stage. Now, his comments were last night described by Pavi Point as ill-informed, grossly insulting, and they also said it was uh, offensive. David Joyce is a member of the travelling community and he's also a member of the Irish Human Rights and Equality Commission. He, uh, speaking to the Irish Independent, said uh, that Peter Casey should withdraw from the campaign. He says he showed he's not fit to represent all of the people of Ireland and he was the one, uh, David Joyce, who says that Peter Casey is racist. He's scapegoating my community. Um, Peter David Joyce went on uh, to say that the candidates' views were founded on ignorance, prejudice and pure racism. He also said that the notion that we travellers all live in caravans and pull up on people's lands, he said that is absolutely uh, rubbish. By the way, Peter Casey also was asked his views about homelessness and in particular you know they were talking about the fact that Peter Casey saying that it's easy to become rich in in Ireland so that must gall with people who are you know homeless or people who are trying to get houses Peter Casey said that this wasn't talking about the travelling community he said you've got people turning down houses because they're not where they want to live it's not what they want I'm sorry if you're being offered a free house you should uh, take it. Now, I think people who are homeless at the moment would love to be offered a free house anywhere and not a case of not turning down uh, a house. So uh, we're looking for your thoughts and comments on Peter Casey and what Peter Casey had to say. Some of your thoughts in already. Noel says, Peter Casey, he spoke the truth in fairness. He only said what most people think. I'd give him a vote. We need more like him thanking you, says uh, Noel. Hi, uh, Patricia, says Michael in Castletown Bear. Our travelling community are an integral part of our society for over a millennium with their own distinctive identity. They must be respected. We are failing to fully recognise the inequalities and discrimination that the travelling community face on a daily basis. They are an Irish ethnic minority who have distinct qualities within themselves, a people within our people. The presidential candidate, Peter Case, his comments about the community are absolutely disgusting and grossly insulting and he should apologise to the travelling community and also do the honourable thing and withdraw from the presidential race. When the qualities of the candidates were being discussed on another radio station, Peter Casey was described by a very respected panellist as a troublemaker. Together with apologising he should do the only, only honourable thing left to him withdraw from the race says uh, Michael. Somebody else says when you listen to uh, Peter Casey, one other president comes to mind, i.e. Donald Trump. He is only saying what a lot of people are thinking, but the people who are thinking it are afraid to say it. Heidi says, Patricia, you can't make uh, a true statement anymore in this country without being accused of being a racist. When most of us know the travellers have big cars and they do park in other people's lands, exactly what Peter Casey said. It's true. It's a fact. You've, you've had them on your show uh, talking about this issue. We have to be able to speak out without being afraid of all of the political correctness. And that 
texts from uh, Heidi on WhatsApp and some calls into John Paul already. John in Cove says that's just that's not on Peter Casey. I'll get to that one in a minute. Donny says Peter Casey is right in what he's saying. People are offered houses and are, and ref, and are and have been refusing them. It is a joke. If anybody owns a horse or as any other animals, they will know a half an acre is not enough to feed those animals. Plus. They will require extra feed in the future for winter fodder, etc. Do they have the money in order to look after these animals? And just on the presidential race, John in Cove says, I think people should be asking why Michael D decided to go for another run for the presidential election after he said he'd only run for one term. To be honest, as John and Cove, I'm not impressed with any of the candidates. I feel to make a politician anywhere in the world now, what you need to be is the best liar at the door when out canvassing. And then when you get into uh, office, you just ride all the people. That's from John in Cove. And a couple of emails in, and these ones, again, about the presidential election, but to do with the televised debate, which only had four of the six the other night. Hi, Patricia, says Margaret, I watched the debate. Or should I say I suffered through it to see what the candidates had to say. I found that it was a very sanitised debate. Questions were too broad and allowed the candidates to visualise their tenancy at the Aorus. We could all do that, to be honest. Gavin Duffy has said on more than one occasion that he came from a poor background. His father was a pig farmer and his mother ran a restaurant. My father worked for farmers and we lived in little cottages for the first five years of my life. Now that's poor. Peter Casey is one of nine children and was raised to work hard. We all were, but we didn't end up millionaires. It's condescending to hear these two talk millions and how they can write off their costs if and when they lose the election. Nobody challenged Gavin Duffy and his support for hunting in Ireland. Imagine somebody like that in a position of power. What a great example that would be. But I suppose he would have heads of state ravaging our countryside. The ladies on the debate the other night fared a little bit better but nothing really stood out that would make you want to vote for them um, unfortunately. Disappointing to say the least. The best part of the debate was the heckler and she was cut off too fast. On the upside I did sleep well (laughs) says uh, Margaret. And Morris says Michael D Higgins may have pulled out of the debates to give the other candidates a chance. Uh, Michael Higgins will win by a landslide and it was generous of him to pull out and handicap himself a bit. I feel the candidates on the debate the other night came across as self-seeking people with giant egos and giant wallets. The doll is centre-right or right-winged and we have a left-wing Labour pre- president. It is proving a nice balance. 1850 text or WhatsApp 0862 or as those uh, two last listeners did, email patricia at c103.ie Talk today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie There was great news this week when the town of Fomoy was announced as the cleanest town in Ireland in the latest Irish Business Against Litter survey. Now the fight is on to maintain that status, but it seems one area of the town could leave them down, and that's the bring site for recyclables at the car park near the library. To outline the problems, I'm joined by local councillor Noel McCarthy, who also happens to be the chairman of the local Tidy Towns uh, group. Good morning to you, Noel. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, and, Good morning, listeners. And once again, congratulations to you. And people were fulsome, I have to say, in their praise of you in particular for the way you run the Tidy Towns Group and that you're great at encouraging people to get out there and uh, do do their bit. So well done to you on that. Were you expecting the win? Did you think that you'd done well this year? 
Well, Patricia, I suppose I, I'm delighted and it's a great honour to be Tidy Towns chairman. I'm actually chairman for the last nine years now, but I mustn't take all the credit because we have a great team, a great committee, a great people we work with and all the different agencies. And yes, we, we also had a plan. We kind of sat down about four years ago and we said, we looked at the results for all different competitions and we wanted to see where we go. And I think the first thing, thing we did there was we appointed a project manager in Paul Kavanagh. That was a good thing we did. And then we said we'd work together closely with all the different groups in the town to make Fomoy a cleaner town and a better town to live in. And I think the results last Monday and the results all year from the Tidy Town competition and the Cork County Council Anti-Literally has proved that, that we've worked hard and now we're reaping the rewards. And we're so proud. And I think people deserve a lot of credit for a lot of, that. More than me, deserve a lot of credit for the work they've done. And, and that very, sense, very that sense of pride in where you live, uh, yes. is and is just so important. It is, and for me, it's a fantastic town. It's a real good town to live in, to bring your children up, and to be educated in. And we've great facilities in the town, and a lot of other organisations deserve great credit for that. So it's everyone working together. As I've said since Monday, when the result was announced, this couldn't be done without teamwork. And I yeah. think everyone working together, and I think that's what we've done in Fomoy. We've worked with different groups, and it's paid off. But, but Patricia, I suppose just the. Just it was the first round of results. We're delighted with it, but now we must maintain that is, and yeah. work towards keeping us there in yeah. January when the final result comes out. Uh, ab- so absolutely, must, absolutely. And we're going to drive on. Now the the bring sites, uh, bring uh, the the bottle banks oh, all over the county, and and I suppose I, I'd be right in saying all over the country. Are they always a problem when it comes to illegal dumping? I think so. I think people mean well when they bring, they bring their bottles, their cans, their unwanted clothing, and there's a facility there to do that. But sometimes people forget what you bring them cans in or what you bring the bottles in. That you, if you bring it in a box or a bag, that you can't leave the box and the bag there underneath if the bin is full. Sometimes, which could happen as well, you must take them away, all the stuff away and come back again. But what some people do, Patricia, if they throw their bottles and their cans into the receptacles, they then leave the box underneath. And if one person sees that, another yeah. person only adds to it. That's all and you need. That's all that's you need. All you and need. then it just yeah. gets added to and added to. And if it's not cleaned away quick enough, uh, it just then becomes a, a little black spot almost. Exactly. And we had that problem. You see, the, the, how this came about, Patricia, was the receptacles and the brin banks or the bottle banks were up in the upper uh, Kevin Barry Hill, the upper car park, where they weren't under CCTV coverage. So we decided with our monthly meetings with the council, we said, could we put it in the bottom car park where there is CCTV in, in, uh, available there? And when we did that well over a year ago now, then we saw the results of the other day. People were seeing that were caught on CCTV. Now, maybe unintentionally at first, but, but they must learn that they must take away the stuff. And if they continue doing, doing that same problem, well, then fines were issued. And people had to learn that you could not leave your boxes or your bags, or even sometimes they were putting them behind the, the, the bins and adding to more dirt behind there, and just building up. And then all of a sudden, as you said yourself, we had a black spot. But the CCTV there has worked, and I think it's a great success in the town, now that this problem will be stamped out once and for all. I think that's very important. Yeah, because once people realise, yeah, you smile, you're on camera, they, they, they think twice about uh, dumping. But are the bottle banks emptied? quickly enough and yeah. often enough. 
Well, I suppose some people might criticise for not, but I think uh, uh, there was a problem going back a number of years ago. But I do think now we've got on top of that that we try to as soon as we get to get uh, we think they're getting anywhere full that there is a, a facility there that the council will ring the, the providers of the bin and get them moved or emptied straight away because that does happen, like, especially on busy periods like Christmas and so on, where you can understand there's a lot of partying and things like that, and people have extra bottles and extra cans. It does happen, and I won't say that it do, it doesn't, but. We do, we are, I think, very good now in getting them to you as fast as we can to get the facility up and running again. But usually, if people can ring anyone in the council or ring anyone in the tidy towns, we'd always make that effort to get the bins or the, uh, the bins empty as fast as we can, and that's the most important. Um, I'm wondering, is there a sign near the bring bank, uh, near the bottle bank, to say if it's full, please ring this number? Maybe people are unaware that that's you know, rather than you go there with your bag of bottles, it's full. You bring them home bemoaning the fact, but maybe if people were making the calls to let the powers that be know it's full. I think that's a very good idea. I don't think that's, that, that information is there, but I think that's a very good point, Patricia. And we will, I, I'll take that back to the council and to the committee of the Tidy Towns. That number should be made available. That ring the council or ring someone, the providers themselves, to empty it. I think that's yeah. very important. And everyone has a mobile done. phone with them. They can literally do yes. it uh, there and then. Yes. And I was also reading new waste bylaws are to be introduced, which will allow house to house inspections to see how people dispose of their waste. Is that something you welcome? I welcome that wholeheartedly, Patricia. I think that's a very important thing because only early summer I had a couple onto me living in an area where they were living alongside of someone that wasn't disposing their waste. So as you know, the summer was so good and they had they had a problem that they couldn't open the windows with the flies. The smell was unbearable. I went out to see it myself. And I think with this new bylaws being proposed now, from early New Year, the council can go in and ask people to have they got proof and have they got from companies that they are disposing of their waste? And if they can't produce that, well, then they must they could be fined. And I think I welcome that because it's totally unacceptable for someone to be living inside of someone that are not doing the right thing and disposing of their waste. And what was happening with that house that you went to? What were the neighbours doing with the rubbish? They were just piling it up outside their back uh, and not disposing of oh it. Oh, my God. The bins God. were overflowing. It was absolute... And, they still had the problem for months and months. We rang the environmental section of the council. They called. They did everything. And they just would not. No, they did. They might empty the bins for for one occasion and leave it build up again for another five or six weeks. And the poor people living alongside of that, they were absolutely in an awful state because they couldn't even open their windows, Patricia. And I think that's that's what the problem is. But now, hopefully, this can be stamped out by this new laws coming in. And, and, I, and I, it also, hopefully, will stop people who are refusing to pay bin charges and instead they don't leave their rubbish in their own back gardens. They'll bring it and, and fly tip it out the road instead. And that's a huge problem we have for people living in rural areas, that people come along, drive along and just dump their stuff out of their car, find a spot. Then when we, we identify a spot and we get it cleaned up, they'll find a new spot. And this stops all that. And we this will help everybody because it's nothing worse to be driving along in a country area and see uh, rubbish just dumped by people that don't care about the, the effects on the people living there or walking there or passing there. I think this this has to be stamped out. And I think this way of doing that by the council to take inspections will put an end to that once and for all, I hope. And Patricia, can I also say about people calling to doors, you know, these people say, I'll oh, get rid of your rubbish and you're giving them some money to get rid of it. But you're not worried where they're dumping it. And that's another problem. These rural people that are going around 
looking for business that say that they'll get rid of your rubbish, but we don't know where they're disposing it fr- properly or not, and that's another problem that can stamp out this. And that's where that's going to like usually scenic areas are buried deep in a wood. You'll come across yeah. a lot of waste that isn't just somebody fly tipping. It's one of those rogue. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and, okay. and, and that's getting more common all the time. So we must stamp that out as well. So onwards and upwards now. And the big push to keep Formoy at the top of the eyeball survey when it gets announced at the end of the year. Because the one at the end of the year is the overall winner then, isn't it? That's right. We, January, to, I think it's the first Monday in January that there'll be an announcement made uh, for the winners overall, and we want to we want to be in the same position that we are now. We had our first we had a meeting, a committee meeting at Tidy Thomas on Monday night, and we were so proud. But following that meeting, we were determined to keep the good work up, working with everyone. We want to see Fomoy on the map in January as number one, the cleanest town in Ireland. And Patricia, could I get this opportunity and just thank you one person that Dr. Tom Kavanagh, who was a brainchild of the IBA, yeah. uh, and and. He must be very, hopefully, very proud that for my his own town now is leading the way this year. So yeah, well, actually, he contact he contacted us when the news broke on Monday to make sure that we knew that we would be covering it. Uh, yes. uh, um, and he actually told us that the overall winner at the end of the year gets a fifty fifty thousand euro um, sculpture piece of sculpture, which local people get to pick the sculpture that they want themselves. Yes, and that's another initiative to drive on and hopefully get that. That's a great incentive. It's a great incentive. So everybody in Fomoy, come on, onwards and upwards, you're up at the oh, top. But but, yeah. but, unfor- but but fortunately or unfortunately, there's a lot of towns very close to the top as well, so it can go any which way. Exactly. There's other towns out there and they're going to be driving on as, as hard as us, but we're determined. We have a great group, as I said, great unsung heroes, I call them, volunteers. There's some people who go five nights a week. One man goes out five nights a week, picking rubbish on the main street in the town, up around the side streets. And we can't thank people like that enough. They're the unsung heroes, I feel. Yeah. Always, the people if, everybody do does the, if everybody does their bit, if that's, all, exactly. if that's all it will take. All right. Can, you, uh, well, good luck with it, uh, Noel. We'll talk again. Thanks a million and thanks for joining us. Um, um, good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, Councillor Noel McCarthy, who's also chairperson of the Fomoy Tidy Towns uh, Group. Uh, but that new bylaw is going to be introduced by the council, whereby you could have a knock on your door um, and somebody from the council can ask you, how do you, what do you do with your rubbish? And you are going to, going to need to be able to prove either through... Uh, you know, if you've got your wheelie bins, obviously you'll have a receipt from the company who collects uh, your wheelie bins. So I don't think they're going to be calling to people who've got wheelie bins out uh, every week. But if you don't put out a wheelie bin uh, and you go and you bring your rubbish somewhere, you're going to need to get a receipt to prove that you are disposing of your rubbish at collect, uh, correctly. And that's a bylaw that's going to be introduced across the county very soon. C103. Join Martina O'Donoghue for Drive Time, weekdays from four. This is Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Now, while the Department of Social Protection say less people are eligible for the means-tested back-to-school clothing and footwear allowance because of a fall in the number of people signing on the live register, at the same time, the Society of St Vincent de Paul say they've seen a 20% spike in parents asking them for help specifically with back-to-school costs. Joining me, Marcella Stakem, who is Social Policy Development Officer with the Society of St Vincent de Paul. Uh, Good morning to you, Marcella. Good morning. Now, you've got two conflicting stories here. Is it simply that the payment is not enough to cover the full costs of back-to-school? Yeah, that is true on on definitely uh, one level. The payment isn't enough. Uh, we do welcome the increase that came about last week in the budget, um, but it's still 
not at the, the levels that we had recommended. Um, we had recommended that the levels be increased to back to the, what the war in 2011. And that's solely just to reflect what we're hearing from parents that are trying to get their children back to school. Um, the, the costs involved are, are you know, enormous. And for people that we assist on low incomes, you know, it really, really is very, very stressful and very frustrating for parents when they see the, the costs involved. Um, you know, we have parents have rang into our, our information line um, that have had children um, that need uniforms that are costing up on €200. Euro. Shoes um, for, you know, a secondary school student can, you know, amount up to €100. Euro. And that doesn't take into account, um, you know, the other costs that are involved right throughout the year. Yeah, it isn't just the uniform and the pair of shoes. There, there, there is a lot more. And and yet, like, for the department, it seems like great news. Less people are passing the means testing. Less people need this because, you know, they're celebrating the fact that more and more people are out at work. But the, the people that went back to work who maybe were entitled to it on, on previous years, they could be just outside the, the limit. I mean, the working poor that we often refer to. Yeah, it, it's a very harsh um, system in, in some respects. It's a means-tested payment. Uh, but what they do is you either are eligible for it or you're not eligible. And I suppose what we have been saying for many years now is that there should be maybe a, a more holistic system um, in place so that everybody would receive some amount of that payment. So not, some people would receive maybe, um, you know, half of it or three quarters of it. Like Yeah, yeah. So, because we, we would work with many families that are actually only maybe one euro or two oh my over, God. The, over the, the threshold. And that is very, very stressful and very frustrating for, for parents. What we've also, we see, um, you know, through looking at the, the, the eligibility is that the income limits for couples and the income limit for uh, lone parents so how much you can earn um to be you know before you you're cut off from being eligible are two different payments but the costs involved um for school um are still the same for a That's one a person point. family and a two person family so that we really feel is very unfair on 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 particularly on low low income um parents that are parenting alone so when you say you've had a 20% spike, you, you're hearing from parents who are both entitled to the back-to-school clothing and footwear allowance and those that are just outside. Yes, exactly. Um, we saw about roughly 6,000 calls uh, come in. Um, a lot of those came in in August of this year, just before children were ready to return to school. And they were from you know, a wide spectrum of um, families. So there were some families that were reliant on social welfare, but we also had families um, that were uh, in paid employment. Um, it's not surprising, really, when you look at the figures, because at the moment we have about 780,000 people. That's one in six people living in poverty in Ireland at the moment. And that's um, equating to over 100,000 of the, those are actually in jobs. So that, you know that means that life on a low income is the norm for many in our in our society, and I suppose we would be saying and highlighting very strongly that a rich country like Ireland should not have you know seven hundred and eighty thousand people living in poverty. Uh, it is organisations I suppose like SVP that see the 
see the the stress behind those numbers and see the the reality for for many in in, in our society. And I take it you hear from families who go to great lengths, Marcella, to try to cover the cost of uh, back to school, you know, robbing people, Peter to pay Paul, not paying in a utility bill, maybe even going hungry themselves. Yeah, on many, many occasions we would receive calls from parents that will do everything and anything for their, pa- for their children to get them ready for school because simply they don't want their children to to feel different while they're at school and also to see the value of education so they want their children to to receive a good education but they they can't do that you know if they feel different or they don't have you know the school books for example if they're going back to school without the school books uh, that really doesn't uh, tend to you know have a good positive learning environment for children and Marcella, certainly this year we had some calls in from uh, listeners about the transition year. That can be particularly expensive. Yeah, like we're seeing costs on average between 300 and 900 euro per pupil. Um, I just might read out two responses we had from a survey just solely on transition year costs um, among SVP members this year. Uh, one SVP member said to us, low income families are going to money lenders to fund school trips rather than tell their child they can't afford to pay. And that's very sad. Yeah, We also had a family of nine, so that was two parents and seven children, three in secondary school, one in transition year. And this young person missed out on four outings due to a lack of money and only got to go on the fifth as our conference assisted. Uh, The father is unemployed and the mother works in the childcare sector. So that, I suppose, would be indicative of what we're seeing um, you know, right across. Yeah, yeah we, we had yeah. a mother who contacted us and, it was, and and she was heartbroken because she had to, her, her daughter wanted to do transition year, it was a voluntary transition year and she said she had to sit her daughter down and say, we can't afford it. And she said her daughter was heartbroken because she was leaving all her friends who she had started school with, you know, at the age of four, leaving all them behind because she had to go on in, into fifth year and she just, and the mother said as a mother, it was heartbreaking to see her daughter so upset but there was nothing else uh, that they could do and sadly that that's reflected uh, around the country. All right. And um, uh, Marcella, thank you for that. And uh, and I know um, with Christmas coming, it'll be a very busy time for the Society of Vincent yes, de Paul. So we will, talk, yeah. we will talk again. Thank yeah. you, though, for joining us and talking to us today. Thank you. Uh, good morning to you. That is Marcella Stakem, Social Policy Development Officer with the Society of St. Vincent de Paul on back to school costs. They haven't gone away. OK, we're going to take a break. We have news at 11. I can see by the a, a text message, WhatsApps and calls into John Paul. A lot of people reacting to Peter Casey, the presidential candidates and his comments about the travelling community. I will get to those after news at 11. We're also going to be discussing the Waterloo Junction. Uh, when is it going to reopen? Lo- locals uh, have had their lives completely discommoded because of it. And we're looking for hidden gems along the Wild Atlantic Way. Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.com You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
Now, a lot of commentary in on Peter Casey and his views on the travelling community and the fact that he's running as a presidential candidate and members of the travelling community say that he should withdraw from the campaign and that he is being racist in his comments about uh, travellers when he said they're not. He says they shouldn't have got the ethnicity status that they got last year. He says they're not from Romany or wherever. He says they're basically people camping in somebody else's land and they're not paying their fair share of taxes in uh, society. He's been he's been accused by one travelling organisation as his comments are founded on ignorance, prejudice and pure racism. OK, this is a sample of some of the calls and texts that we have been receiving. Let me look to some of the texts first. Peter Casey is dead right with his comments on travellers, says a, a listener. Pity that there isn't more people to speak out like him if more only knew what they were really like. Uh, Sandy, re-presidential election. In my opinion, a candidate's opinion on Fox are, oh, this is a general one. I'll, I'll leave that for a second. This is just a general one about the presidential. Let me stick with the ones on Peter Casey um, uh, first. Just let me get to those ones. Somebody else says Peter Casey is 100% uh, right. Helen says, Patricia, I think the comments put forward by Peter Casey about the travelling community were very insular and ill-informed. I think Tipperary County Council was short-sighted in their view of the houses that they built for the members of the travelling community. Travellers love their horses. They are an integral part of their ethnicity. If the county council had put in a well-maintained site with access to water and electricity and recognised the need for those families to have their horses close by, we would not be having this standoff. Travellers are an ethnic group just like the Romany community, says uh, Helen. Someone else says, hi Patricia, yes I fully agree, 100% with Peter Casey, good for him to have the back bone to say it. Most travellers are freeloaders and don't declare on any money that they earn. A horse? Are they for real? I'd like a horse and stables. I'd like Mrs Bouquet. I'd like room for the pony. Well, you know what they can do. With regards to to St Vincent de Paul, they are a joke. More money for clothing and footwear? How did we all manage? Tell them save during the year for whatever you need. Nothing comes for free. Let there be a new slogan for Leo Varadkar for the coming year. Stop the handouts. It's a joke. Peter Casey, you are spot on. Uh, says that particular texter. Mag says Peter Casey is right. If I want a pony and land, then I have to buy it myself. And Noel says Peter Casey spoke the truth in fairness. He only said what most people think. I'd give him a vote. We need more like him. And then just other comments in on just on the presidential candidate. These are the ones by text. John says, should Michael D. Higgins be asked to produce a medical search that he is fit for another seven years? It is highly likely that a man of his age has medical issues. We the voters, so we're not entitled to know that he is fit enough for all of the foreign and domestic travel that this particular job entails, says John. Would others agree or disagree with that? Someone else says, surely Michael D. Higgins is entitled to change his mind as regards going for a second time to the Auris. He's a wonderful president. He certainly will get my vote. As for the rest of the candidates, they are a circus. Says the texter didn't put a name on it. 
This is John in Guinea-Guilla. Patricia, just a suggestion here. I'd like to float this. Others agree or disagree with the presidential election. Uh, it's almost certain that Michael D will be re-elected. If for some reason he doesn't see out the seven years and he doesn't make it through the term, the candidate that comes in second this time should be automatically elected president until the seven-year term runs out. It would save millions. And that suggestion should be examined, says John in Guinea in County Kerry. I wonder whether others agree with John on that one. 15 million actually is what it costs to run the election. So you are right if for whatever reason he wasn't able to see out the seven years that we'll be, we'll be back to, to another 15 million. And Sandy's comment, in my opinion, a candidate's opinion on Fox or other leisure pursuits matters little in reality. This was somebody saying, picking up on Gavin Duffy and his views on coursing um, and hunting. He is, he is, I think he hunts himself. He certainly is a fan of the sport. Their opinion and willingness to speak on treatment of humans would be much more relevant. Gavin Duffy, I understand, has declared he would sign any law to ban uh, hunting. People despise dragons based on their show. How many would dish out big money on request without hard questions based on 20 minutes on a TV show? Not everybody can invest uh, profitably. And someone else wanted to know what is the total cost of wages and expenses to keep the house and gardens for the president, leaving aside his ridiculous salary, so says uh, James. Well, it's been revealed that if you total up all of the spend for the last seven years that Michael D. Higgins has been in Orson Uchtaron, it's looking to come in. I mean, they have to do the final tally at the at the end of this term of office, but it's it it is looking to be thirty million euro was how much it cost for the seven years. Uh, prices and costs uh, seemingly have gone up. Uh, Mr Higgins' personal staff will come in at 11 million when his this tenure uh, ends. His travel expenses, 1.5 million. And then there's a separate bill for the Office of Public Works staff and costs associated with running Orson Uchtar, and that's obviously keeping the grounds and all of that. Uh, that will come in at uh, almost five million, and that's leaving his. That's not including any of his wages or anything, or anything like that. Then we know the three hundred and ten thousand euro in in expenses that haven't been audited, even though Michael Higgins has come out and said that at the when he is re-elected, if and when he's re-elected, that uh, he will break, give the breakdown of what that cost uh, was. Anyway, um, on some of your calls in our John Paul says the phone lines have been very busy on this one. John Imala says, Peter Casey is the man that should be in there. He's standing up for people. If I am short grass for my cattle, I have to buy feed for them. If I ring up the department, they won't give me free grass. So the travellers need to pay like everybody else. If travellers are offered homes and they don't take them, then they should go back to the end of the housing list and let somebody else get that house instead. James and Brewery. I think ethnicity is good for travellers, but what Peter Casey said was shocking. To think he wants to live in a big house with a big salary and then he says this about Irish people. This is awful. To think we have people living on the side of roads with no running water and then he and then he comes out with this. We have dogs that can avail of shelters. Uh, and yet he's talking down the uh, members of the travelling community. It looks like he's going down the Trump road. Another millionaire trying to get into office. It will end up with war on the poor. And John O'Donovan contacted us from the city. He said Peter Casey is saying what others are thinking 
and saying. But because he's running for president, it's been picked up more. He referenced about what is happening in County Tipperary and no other section of society would be allowed to do this. He's only saying what is happening out there. It's not racism, according to John O'Donovan. John says, I feel the travelling halt... John's opinion is that all of the travelling halting sites should be closed. All travellers should be housed, as otherwise it's an endless cycle of having caravans everywhere. People mention culture, but you can take culture everywhere. My mother, for example, came from a farming background. I could say that's part of my culture, says John. I have a green area in front of my house. I'm not putting animals out there to graze and using it as the excuse. Well, I come from a farming background. I don't do it because I respect my uh, neighbours. And Dennis and Castle Magnus says Peter Casey is going to get his number one vote. It's about time somebody has says has said this. We can, if you can't afford a house. We don't, we don't, if we can't afford a house, we don't get one. The travelling community are able to afford big headstones in graveyards. So if they can afford that, they can afford a house. They seem to have plenty of money for big headstones. Media commentators think there is money for everybody in the country when there's not, well, and, and there's not. I, I, well, that again, members of the travelling community would say is part of their culture to have these very large headstones. Now, I don't think the cost of a headstone is the same price as the cost of a house. Uh, people do find it offensive to have a loved one buried near a family that put up what what is deemed in other people's opinions as gaudy but to the travelling community that is very much part part of their culture anyway just I could go on and on but I won't that's just a snapshot of the type of calls and comments that we are getting in this morning 1850 333 103 on the bins and cleaning up the sites and these new bylaws that the council are going to introduce whereby council officials can go out and knock on anyone's door and say how are you getting what, what do you do with your rubbish what are, you, what are you doing with it can you prove to me how you are disposing of your rubbish and you'll need receipts uh, for wherever you are disposing of your rubbish it's tried to end uh, fly tipping uh, the, a busy mum on Twitter says great idea for those who don't ever put out a bin magically disappearing rubbish and bad smell up the chimney oh are many people burning rubbish? That wasn't one that I'd actually thought about. Uh, it would be interesting to see will they catch people that are doing that because that's not part of it. One of the parts, one of the reasons that they're doing it is to try to stop people from fly tipping. But that certainly is an interesting one. Somebody else says a lot of farmers don't have any bins. Just keep an eye out on bin day, says this texture. And you notice that farmers don't have bins. What are they doing with their uh, rubbish? 1850-333-103 John Paul taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs The Cork Association for Autism they're holding an open recruitment day for care support workers it'll be in the Radisson Blue Hotel on the 23rd of October between 12 noon and 6pm relief bus escorts are wanted to travel with children with intellectual disabilities from Cork City and County Schools part time office worker is wanted that's in the Ballancolic area and a grade 1 chef required for Dunmanway Community Hospital you'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now just go to c103.i forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie C103.
American Diane Baker, whose dad James was uh, tragically killed at the Waterloo Junction last year, has pleaded with the executive of Cork County Council to consider other options than full closure of the junction. Diana is adding her voice to local residents whose lives have been upended since the closure in June. Anthony Horgan is co-chair of the Waterloo Access Group and uh, Anthony joins me. Good morning to you, Anthony. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? Uh, well, I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. Now, Diana Baker lost her dad and she doesn't want this junction uh, closed. Uh, so yeah. she's got a really personal interest in this. Surely she has to be listened to. She does. And, you know, we are very grateful for, for, for Diana's support because it means an awful lot to us. It's something we did not expect her to be so 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 vocal and so 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 forward in support is we are delighted with her because we thought it'd be a very hard thing for her and her family to come out and support us. You know, we, we genuinely didn't expect their support at all. Outline the inconvenience that the junction closure is and has been causing local people. Well the biggest 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 problem at the moment is is is, is our school kids getting up to White Church School and getting home from White Church School. It's adding probably about thirty minutes each way to their journeys every morning. And the parents who have to drive up there as well. And people getting to and from our community association up in White Church as well. It just creates a whole load of problems and additional traffic flow and everything all over the place. People are just, just very much inconvenienced about it. So it, 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 it's a huge, huge problem. Do you, do you, you've probably heard me say it before. Like it's, it's, just, it's just the inconvenience of having this road closed. We don't have many alternative roads to take. And, and the roads that we do have to take, they're, they're just very minor roads and we try to avoid those where possible. Yeah, because that was an issue that uh, somebody contacted us about last week, the week before, wondering about the the other roads that now are seeing obviously an increase in traffic. Is it making yeah. those other roads more dangerous? Of course, it's should have very narrow roads and if you're putting big vehicles on those roads like, like commercial trucks and, and commercial vans who are always in a hurry going up and down these roads, they're pushing cars into the dikes and we're having tyre problems and hitting pothole problems. Do, do, do you know, like, and they're, they're, they're the things that you just don't hear about, they're the everyday problems. But like, like uh, and, and we're having an awful lot of near misses. We've had a few accidents on these roads as well, you know, little fender benders in the want of a better word. And they're being all attributed to the fact that the uh, access to the Waterloo Junction has been closed. Yeah, well, th- thank God they're, they're minor enough, but they're, they, they're, exactly, but they're still yeah. costly to people. You know, I mean, even they just are, to get a fender cost. or a, a wing mirror fix, it, you know, it's a cost. It is, and, and, and I personally, because when I can't use that junction, I have a van and I drive a work in the van. It's, it's cost me a couple of wing mirrors already, and like they're not the most expensive thing in the world, but because my van is a little bit wider than the average car, it costs me a wing mirror every now and again when I meet someone in the wrong spot. Another van and myself, we'll always have a little um, tat-a-tat with, with wing mirrors, and, and the glass will break in mine, and, and I've done it. It's costing, costing me 15 euros every time I replace it and I've replaced it. I, I'm after placing it once already since this road has been closed. Yeah. It's only yeah. a small thing, but it's, yeah, it's, but it's, it's still a cost, and it's and it's still exactly. a cost. Jim, one of our listeners, says, "Hi, Patricia. I passed the Waterloo Junction at the weekend, and it looks like a tractor could go in and out at the side of the junction as there's tracks across the gra- the grass." But I can't say that I blame any of the locals. It has to be so much of an inconvenience to people living there, making that round trip, and it's crazy. It's taking so long uh, to sort out, and that's uh, from Jim. Are people squeezing down by the side of it? 
I heard that rumour. I haven't seen it personally. And I haven't gone over there now in the last couple of weeks because I've been just avoiding the place. So I've heard that rumour that people are squeezing in the side of the road. But, but as a member of the Waterloo Access Group, we want the access open safely. Mm. And I don't know if people squeezing down that side of the road could be considered safe. But you cannot. You but you, of of out of anyone, can understand the frustration and why somebody would do it. Yeah, I, I if you're in a rush to get somewhere, I, I could, and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be the first to condone, condemn anyone for using it. Do, do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, if there wasn't access there, but but I can't be advertised. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now it it was said that the junction would remain closed until the end of this month, but then Owen English had a piece yesterday when he was writing about Diana Baker, and he said the council plan to extend the closure to the end of the year? Well, I'll tell you now, like, like we're working very hard in the background with, with our local councillors and our local councillors are in communication with the with the, with the county managers and there is a, a, a the, 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 the council meeting has been brought forward to next Monday okay. and we, uh, we've been told that the Waterloo Junction is on the agenda. So we're working away in the background and we're hoping that some proposals might be made at the meeting, which might be advantageous to us. And we're very hopeful that look, we might be able to get something done sooner. But, but these are all things going on in the background. We are working very hard at it and we're waiting now for the council to come back to us. Like, like This is a slow process, as you can appreciate. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, I, I can't believe that we're, I mean, we started discussing this when the road closed in June and here we are uh, in the middle to the back end of October and the road, it's, nobody ever envisaged it being closed this long. No, look, we got an awful shock when they closed it and we got it, like, like, like the amount of community um, support for getting this, this, this junction open and the amount of community support, support for any actions we've taken even going into the council meeting that was held last week, we had a huge local support going in there and we filled the council chamber with, people, with, with local residents who wanted to see what was going on and who heard all our councillors talk in favour of reopening the, um, the, that junction for us because of the inconveniences caused and the support we got from every councillor in there. There was not one councillor who could say a bad word against the Waterloo Junction, who they all supported the opening of it. And the fact that it was the way it was closed, it didn't agree with any of the councillors. That's good to hear. You must have been thrilled with that. Well, that was a fabulous bit of support to be getting for our, for our community. It really does mean an awful lot to us. Like, like it, there isn't too many things at all that we get all the councillors yeah, absolutely. Uh, on, on the one side from every party. You know, and that means an awful lot to us. And, and out of every, you know, bad uh, issue that happens, you always like to start and see the positive. The one thing I have to say about the community in Waterloo and uh, in Whitechurch, you're, you're very united. And, I, and I'm assuming that the closure of this road has, has united you even further. It has. You know, it really has brought people out to, to, to support us that you, you normally wouldn't see or hear. Yeah. And we, like, like, like we, we are... Like, we're a rural community, as you, as you can appreciate. And I mean to say, like, like Waterloo is the small side of the community, Boyce, which is the larger side of the community. And I mean to say, the support from, like, I actually thought, and a lot of people in the Waterloo side of it were thought that maybe, like, yes, we will get support from Whitechurch, but we didn't expect the amount of support. It was total support, no, no questions asked. Like, like, it's a huge unification for the community, and it's a huge, like, it, it means an awful lot. It really is a fabulous place. Like, 
delivering that. And is there any work being done in the meantime on traffic calming measures to make the junction safer for, for, for if and when it reopens? Well, I, all the work that we hear of is, is only rumour and we hear that's being done by the council engineers on paper and on, on designs. Do you know, they, like, there, there has been no physical work done on the road as such. But, but we're, we, we're hopeful that, that there'll, be, there'll be a proposal come to us soon. Do you know, there's no work being done on the road at the moment. Nothing. They literally just closed it off and that's it. They've closed it off now. The lines are painted. The road is running away. They have like, the, the junction is closed. It's been removed off of the sat nav systems. Google Maps have, no longer has the has the junction open. Like it, it's totally closed. But the, the only the only thing you you have is is like there, there's no work being done. So we're, we're, we really are just waiting for the council to come back to us, uh, which which is looking possible at this stage. Come back to us with um with proposals for how to open it up. Yeah, interesting that Google Maps have taken it off the system because it was sat maps and Google Maps that caused a lot of these accidents in the first place well, by that, sending that, the American tourists that, to, to, to the Waterley yeah. Junction to go to Blarney. So obviously yeah. the, the American tourists now arriving completely unaware of the Waterley Junction, they're going straight on for Blarney. They're going down and taking the main Blarney exit, which is much safer for yeah. everybody. And so could, it not, could, could they not reopen it and just get onto Google Maps and say, leave it off the sat nav? We're asking all those questions, Patricia, and we're hopeful that that was that be one of the results of it. You know, you, we, we were asking all these questions of our councillors who are asking the council engineers all these questions, and you know, we're we're hopeful that they, they, there will be a nice proposal that, that will be in favour for our community in the very near future. I'm but they, at the moment, they are talking about the end of the year at this stage. But you know, look, if we get it reopened safely. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. The sooner the better, obviously, but if we have to wait another couple of months, so be it. Okay, so even if they do come back and say the end of the year, I think at this stage it's almost like, Anthony, you need a date. 
oh, we would love a date at this yeah. stage because it means that our local people might get frustrated with us and our little committee and say and start telling us we're not doing a good enough job. But I mean to say, like we we are we are working as hard as we can and we're doing as much as we can to get all this thing opened up as fast as we can. But we we really are working working very hard at it. And in, in fairness, our our councillors are working very hard. I I say there isn't a day go by when they're not in contact with someone of us. Do you know? Okay, well that's good to hear. Uh, somebody else says I uh, could never understand why they decided to close the Waterloo uh, Junction. Surely the obvious thing, just update the sat navs. It's very unfair on the people who live in the area. And a couple of other texts similar to that, with people just having great sympathy um, uh, with the round trip. And particularly, it was bad enough when it happened in June, but at least we were saying, well, at least it's summer holidays. But never, never thinking that it would still be closed when the children went back to school. But, you know, they're coming up to their first midterm break for Halloween and the road is still closed. OK, so it's going to get mentioned, you say, at the meeting on Monday. But you're, right. you're, would you be hopeful of something on Monday or is it just, it'll just get discussed? I, I'm not sure. We would be hopeful would be a very good word for the hope. And if, it's, if, if there isn't a proposal, I'm sure that the councillors that will be at the meeting will be very irate with the, with, with, with the county manager if there isn't some sort of a positive proposal push. You know, it, it, will create, like, it will create hell at the meeting if there isn't something positive put forward. Probably. OK, all right. Uh, we will leave it there. Uh, thanks a million for that, Anthony. And continue. Good luck. You're all doing great work uh, with the Access uh, Group. But thanks a million for joining us on the programme this morning. No problem. And thank you for talking to me. Good morning to you. Bye bye. Anthony Horgan, co chair of the Waterloo. Uh, access group a story we'll keep an eye on but it's, it is I mean even listening to Anthony there I think it could be the end of the year before that road uh, opens a huge inconvenience uh, to the local people and thank you to Paula uh, O'Mahony in Bandon who sent on a lovely th- thank you text she went along to the Everyman and for dinner at Greens uh, last night it was a prize she won on the programme the week before last and she really really enjoyed it good to hear Paula thank you for that and there's an interesting text in when we've been talking about the cost of running the Oris and how it's expected that when Michael D finishes this seven year term it'll be about 30 million euro is what the Oris will have cost to uh, run and then we know 15 million is what it's co- costing us or it's the figure that's bandied about is what it costs to actually run the election to actually elect uh, a president Patricia for those money conscious people out there has anybody realised the cost of putting Michael D Higgins out to grass he'd have a 1 million euro minimum uh, by way of lump sum and another presidential pension as well as paying a new president I say work away Michael D and if you want another third term no no problem at all. Should that save the taxpayer a fortune? Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. And the comment that came in earlier when we were talking about bins, and I mentioned this new bylaw that's going to be introduced by the council, uh, whereby the council officials can and will send out inspectors knocking on people's doors, and you're going to have to be able to prove what you do with your rubbish. And so a listener sent in a text saying did anybody ever notice that farmers don't put bins out and wondering what do farmers do with their rubbish well Jane in Mallow who I'm assuming comes from the farming community says we do put our bins out we pay for plastic which also is recycled we also take items to the recycling plants uh, to recycle like plastic and metal etc this would be from 
from the work of uh, farming. We also have to pick rubbish out of our ditches. Uh, this, by the way, is other people's rubbish that we have to deal with, but we do that. And I would say that's probably almost on a daily basis. I have three bins that go out every fortnight. So I feel that comment is unfair. Not all farmers don't put out bins. There are farmers like Jane uh, who pays to have their bins uh, collected. But then somebody else has a different view on that, says bins. A lot of West Cork folk travel to Skibbereen to the Bring sites. It forms part of a day's shopping. It's free and it actually brings extra shoppers into the town. As pe- Also, people from Bantry and Dunmanway are regulars, especially on March days. That's the way a recycle. That's why there should be a recycling facility in every town. It prevents rubbish dumping and it encourages proper recycling. And yes, farmers' wives are seen there too. I presume that they're called farmers too. Or are they farmerettes? Says a texter to say that members of the farming community are very, very good when it comes to recycling. But then Jim says, Patricia, somebody asked, what do farmers do with their household waste? Well, I know about this as I have relatives living in County Clare and they are farmers. They burn papers, plastic, bottles, bags, waste food, uh, pigs and geese. Well, the dogs take care of that. Uh, you rarely will you see a tin or anything other than maybe a six pack or an empty whiskey bottle. They use them for the drop of pochine. Anything else that they have a problem with, they stick it in a manure heap. And that'll take care of it. Hope that helps to solve the farmer's rubbish problem, says uh, Jim. <laughs> Jim, I don't, I don't know if that's happening on every farm. The burning of rubbish. There's a number of people coming in on talking about this and saying that a lot of rubbish is actually burnt. We have people saying they have neighbours who don't put out a bin and they know in their heart and soul that what they're doing is they're actually burning it in the fireplace. Now, you're not allowed to do that, lads. I can tell you that. And if the council do come knocking on your door and start asking you to produce receipts, you're going to, have to produce receipts, by the way, from recognised waste disposal companies. Or you can get receipts from the local authority for bags that you dispose of, civic community sites. You're going to, have to keep all those uh, receipts. If you don't have them, then you are going to be uh, in a bit of a, a pickle with the council. Now, if you... T- I don't know how many people are going to turn around and say we put it in the fireplace and burn it there or if they go out into rural areas, if they go, for example, in County Clare and go and visit Jim's relatives on the farm. I don't think Jim's relatives are going to take him out the back and show them is it a big barrel that they have for burning. But I just wonder, is there is there a lot of that going on and you just don't have people talking about it? It's just something that has always been done and continues to be done. I would just I would worry for the health of anyone standing anywhere near when you particularly when you're burning plastics because of the fumes that can come off those plastics. It certainly can't be good for you from a health point of view. So I I would worry about that. But is Jim is Jim right? I wonder, is there a lot of that going on? Is there a lot of burning of rubbish going on, particularly in rural areas where it's out of the way? And you're not seeing it and people aren't seeing it. I mean, there's been talks for a while of the council sending up drones. Remember one stage there was anecdotal evidence that the council were putting up helicopters and they were putting up planes to see who was burning. We never got a definitive yes. Was it actually happening? I did hear that there was talks of using drones because they could fly drones over. It would be very inexpensive to buy a drone and then fly it over to see 
where burning was going on because, um, as I say, it's it's illegal and you're not meant to be doing it. But we'll wait, we will await and see when these draft waste bylaws are prepared. That is to allow the council to carry out house-to-house inspections just to see how people are disposing of their waste. Only time will tell what will come out of at that. OK, let me go to some more of your texts and calls coming in. Still having people come uh, calling us about the presidential election and in particular about Peter Casey and Peter Casey's comment about the travelling community. Uh, Tim says, Patricia Ca- Peter Casey is right. There was enough fuss about the Fomoy mobile home. Peter Casey is a little too much for business. Incentiveness and innovation are fine, but anyone who cannot fit in will get no support. What about the price of television time per minute on Dragon's Den for Brand Casey, Brand Duffy and Brand Gallagher, says Tim. Well, all of them have come out and say they've divested interest in their businesses but I suppose they can pick that back up fairly quickly. It's it's a good point from Jim. I mean we would have known them from the Dragon's Den. Are we learning a lot more about them now in the presidential election? Will it actually help their businesses when they decide if they don't and when they don't get elected? What will it do for their businesses? I mean I'm thinking of Sean Gallagher because he had to divest all of his interest back in 2011 and it's one of the criticisms isn't it of Sean Gallagher? What have you been doing for the last seven years? Now I know he's been he's had two children uh, since and I'm assuming he, he had to go back into business again but was it good for his brand? Was it good for brand Gallagher? I don't know. I don't know what his business interests are to be able to find out if, if it's good or not but it's, it's a good point uh, Tim makes they are getting a lot of publicity for business at people then another texter says Michael Collins James Connolly and Kevin Barry all died for Irish people even members of the travelling community but they did not die for members of the travelling community to take full advantage of us the taxpayers Peter Casey should be well supported for telling the truth there's a real divide between the people who are saying this is good for Peter Casey's campaign and only time will tell but he made these comments and then on the same day it comes out what he said about the travelling community um, the opinion poll was out showing him at 2% now if he goes up in the opinion poll or he polls more than 2% in the election will that tie in with people saying I voted for him because of his comments on the travelling community but we're getting a divide between people who are saying he's right and uh, people who are appalled can I say we have more from people saying he's right than people saying they are appalled. Eileen abandoned plain and simple on her text, Peter Casey is right. Hi Patricia says another texter, yes Peter Casey is right about travellers and can say what he likes as he's worked for his wealth and he doesn't owe it to anyone. So yes, as the caller says, if you need pastures for ponies or horses then they should be able to afford to pay for it themselves and stop fooling uh, everybody. Audrey says, if farmers or anybody else want land for their farmers, what do they do? They have to go out and buy buy it. Tell members of the travelling community to go get a life. We all have to pay our own uh, way. 
and there's another one in on my well, this is on Michael D. Hi Patricia, Michael D. Higgins went to the US to have a meeting with George Soros, who funded 29 million to the S side of the abortion referendum. Why would he need a meeting with him? Says Shay in Mallow. Is that not a question for Michael D. Higgins? Okay, and we spoke earlier about the back to school clothing and footwear allowance. Tim says. There was a big PR job done about the back to school allowance being paid on a certain date. But in many, many cases, the money did not come through uh, up to six weeks later. How unfair was that? Well, Tim, I know at the time and I know certainly last month we were on to the department and they were apologising and saying that there was because they got an avalanche of people applying for the first time and had to go through the process. There was a time delay and they apologised that there was a delay in paying out the back to school clothing and footwear allowance. I'm assuming at this stage, um, where are we the 17th of October, that everybody by now has been paid. But there was there was a delay. Uh, they were out giving the date of when the first of when the payments were going to be made for people who were entitled to it last year and entitled to it this year. They got paid uh, automatically. 1850 333 I'm going to line one where Joan uh, joined me. Uh, good morning to you, Joan. Good morning, Tricia. Uh, you're, you're welcome. Um, you, this is on the travelling community and you're talking about the difference between the travelling community today and, say, when you were growing up. I did, yes. There What's your point? Vast improve, our disimprovement. When we were kids and in our teens and that, uh, travellers knocked at the door. You brought them in. If it was a winter's day, you gave them a pot of tea you sat them up at the fire, you gave them a sandwich, you might make toast. They stayed for maybe an hour. They went away then and you'd give them milk and bread or whatever else you had to spare. They appreciated it so much. They were a completely different uh, breed. Um, yeah. We had many people who weren't travellers and they'd be chastised down on their luck. And our house was an open house. And many's the morning, the door knocked at seven o'clock and my mam would get up and this poor woman out the country who had cycled miles would come in. She'd light a fire and give her a breakfast. But going back to travellers, I mean nowadays, to reject houses because of lack of a half an acre, are they for real at this stage in Tipperary? Yeah, I mean, and, yeah, but the members of the travelling community would say that they are. Um, I know Pavi Point were out saying that they've all they've been discriminated against, and that people don't understand their ethnicity and don't understand oh, this is honest, part of their culture. I I just am so tired of this. At this stage, it's going on and on, and they're getting away with so much. I mean, they have so many handouts. They have money for everything. People that are struggling to pay mortgages. There is no comparison, and I bet the local ones will get away again for a while. It, it just doesn't make sense. I just thought back to those days now. And yeah, yeah. They I, were such lovely people. Yeah, I remember, I, I remember growing up and, and a woman who, um, she was, Mrs. Ryan was her name, was, it was back in the, the day when we called people Mr. and Mrs. Right. And she was a member of the travelling community and she called regularly and I remember she eventually got a house and um, we gave items of furniture uh, that I, I clearly remember we gave our bunk beds and mum bought us new bunk beds but right. and our old bunk beds which were fine were given to Mrs Ryan for her kids and I other, other neighbours chipped in 
and like that um, decent nice woman and who came a couple of times a year for clothes might be the start of yeah, summer exactly. start of winter and were very appreciative of anything that that was given That's yeah even yeah. bread milk you know if you'd have yeah. been cold meat left and even to bring them in and sit by the fire they'd be thanking your missus this and missus yeah, whereas, you, whereas you wouldn't today yeah they wouldn't come they don't need that anymore what they need is to rip the system now, I didn't hear Peter Casey because I have a rotten kind of a flu. I can hear it in your voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's doing the rounds. ready to drop at times. But um, I actually, whatever he said, if it was to do with they having too much. Yeah, I that's what he was saying. And basically, like, that they're, they're, he basically said, like, they're, they're screwing the system. They, they, are, they never pay their taxes. They don't pay their fair share. No. And the entitlement, they want everything. They do. And not only from those, but from charitable organisations as well. If okay. they were foolish enough to give it. All right. Okay, uh, okay. Joan, you're summing up what a lot of people are saying, I have to say. Go away and mind yourself with that cold. Okay. I get well soon and thanks. Uh, thanks for your... You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Grace Madden, Neo O'Keefe, Grange Buttevant passed away peacefully on the 16th of October at Cantor Community Hospital reposing at O'Keefe's funeral home Buttevant on Thursday from 6pm to 8pm followed by removal to St Mary's Church Buttevant. Requiem Mass on Friday at 2 o'clock with burial afterwards to St Bridget's Cemetery. Contact O'Keefe's Funeral Directors Buttevant 022-23238. Patrick Parr Herbert, Kennedy Place, Charleville passed away unexpectedly at his residence reposing at O'Malley's Funeral Home Charleville on Thursday from 5pm with removal at 7pm to Holy Cross Church. Requiem Mass on Friday at 2 o'clock, followed by burial in the local cemetery. Family flowers only, please. Contact O'Malley's Funeral Directors, Charleville, 086 257 6553. Donald Doney Flood, Subalter Castle Magner, passed away unexpectedly on October 13th. Reposing at Grace's Funeral Home, Cantork, this Wednesday from 6 with removal at 8 pm to St Mary's Church, Castle Magner. Requiem Mass on Thursday at 2 o'clock followed by burial in St. Bridget's Cemetery, Castle Magner. Contact Grace's Funeral Directors, Cantork, 029-50102. Mary Donegan, Neil Lynch, Ballin Long from Colourher County, Limerick. Requiem Mass at Our Lady of Snows Church, Broadford, this Wednesday at 12.30, with burial afterwards in Newtown Shandrum New Cemetery. Contact Daily Funeral Directors, Drum Colourher, 063-83198. Kathleen O'Shaney, Cronin, La Valley Upper and late of Main Street, Charleville. Requiem Mass at the Church of the Resurrection Mallow this Wednesday at 12 noon, followed by burial in St. Gubnett Cemetery Mallow. Contact O'Connell Funeral Directors Mallow, 022-21550. Aryesh Day Gorevshiad. For full details on the obituaries you've just heard, go to c103.ie. weather with McCarthy Insurance Group whatever the weather mig.ie will keep you covered what a dry day today with a mix of sunshine and cloudy patches maximum temperatures 12 to 13 degrees with a light west to northwesterly breeze tonight's going to be cold and dry with clear spells lowest temperatures 0 to plus 3 degrees with a slight frost developing in places there will be some mist and fog patches and tomorrow Thursday it'll be another dry and a sunny day maximum temperatures 12 to 13 degrees with a light breeze This is Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on the home of Cork's Queen.
Greatest Hits. Cork's Greatest Hits. Cork's, Cork's, Cork's Greatest Hits. C103. My love. My lover, 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 I'm in paradise whenever I'm with you. My mind, my mind, my, 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 my well, it's a paradise whenever I'm with you. Ride on, well, I will ride on down the road, I will find you, I will hold you, I'll be there. It's long, well, it's a mighty long road, but I'll find you, I will hold you, and I'll be there. From those other boys, but this time between it's something that I feel it. I know you heard it from those other boys, but this time between it's something that I feel it. If it feels like paradise, running through your bloody veins, you know it's love anyway. If it feels like paradise, running through your bloody veins, you know it's love anyway. Time. My time, my time will it's a never-ending helter-skelter. We'll be out whatever the weather. My heart, my boom, boom, hard it's a beat and it's a thumping and I'm alive. I know you heard it from those other boys, but this time between it's all in that I feel it.
Paradise by George Ezra on C103. We were, keep your comments coming in, by the way, or your questions for Peter Dowdle, because uh, he joins us later on in this uh, hour. And while we're awaiting those questions, let me catch up on some comments that have come in. We spoke about the Waterloo uh, Junction in the last hour. Well, Eddie, the truck driver doesn't really have a lot of sympathy for the people living in the area who've been really discommoded since that junction closed back in June. Eddie says, Waterloo exit, keep it closed. It'll be safer for everyone. As car drivers don't stop at the stop sign, they snake their way up onto the hard shoulder. And when they see a truck coming, oh, holy God, it's like the race is on. They have to beat the truck. So Eddie, the truck driver, feels that the roads are safer since the closure of the Waterloo uh, Junction. Local people certainly will not be agreeing with you on that one, Eddie. That is for sure. OK, back to the travelling community, Peter Casey and his comments. And Joan, actually, we got a big reaction to Joan speaking in the last hour, who was saying that she remembers growing up and members of the travelling community used to come and she clearly remembers her mother helping them out and she reckons they were a different breed of people to today's travelling community who seem to expect everything for nothing. Uh, Mag said the old travellers were descendants from the gypsy community who are no longer here uh, are they not all descended from from the same people? I don't quite know uh, what you mean uh, by that. Uh, thank you for your text, though, Mags. Uh, Pat says, uh, hi, Patricia, we have a very odd society today. If people don't like what you say or if you tell the truth, then you're instantly branded a racist. They do it in order to try to shut you up. Peter Casey is bang on with his comments, says Pat. Uh, Tim says, thinking again about Peter Casey and what he is saying, well, he's been rather hard on travellers. And I think Tim's comments is a bit tongue in cheek. Uh, They will have to show receipts for the disposal of the manure from their animals and their other household rubbish so that we can remain top of the various litter survey lists. I hope Peter Casey would accept that there would have to be spaces for jeeps, vans and trucks. And hence the reason that they would need to have the extra land out the back of the house. As I say, I think our Tim is being a little bit tongue in cheek with his comments. Some of the calls into John Paul, Mary in Mallow, rang John Paul and said, Raging, listening to some of the comments about the travelling community and particularly the travelling community and their right to own horses. Travellers do not look after their animals, according to Mary. And she said, I know, I see it at first hand, the way they treat their animals. And if you say anything to them, you're told nothing to do with you. Mind your own business. She, unfortunately, has seen horses and greyhounds being mistreated. Oh, I hate to think of that by members of the travelling community, but I suppose mistreatment of animals happens everywhere. It's not just within the travelling community. Uh, thank you, though, for your call, Mary. While well, Mary in North Cork said, where do the millions come from for the headstones that are put up by travellers? Oh, I don't know if it runs into millions, but they are very expensive. Mary said she was in a graveyard a few weeks ago and she came across what she could only describe as one massive headstone. She said that certainly cost a lot of money and she knows what she's talking about because she knows the cost of stonework and the amount of stonework in this particularly massive headstone uh, would have cost a lot of uh, money. Julie says, Patricia, regarding Peter Casey's comments in reference to the travelling community, he should not have brought that controversy to the table. All he's doing is sensationalising it. Regarding culture, well, we all have that. I've said it before, when you're allocated a council house, all the tenants are told they must abide by the rules. End off. If you don't, you'll be evicted from the house. 
For example, you cannot have a horse in your backyard. That's clearly stated as one of the rules and regulations. The Department of Agriculture brought in rules, for example, for everyone regarding the microchipping of horses and also the need to have adequate grass and shelter. This applies to everyone. Is it applying to the travelling community? On the topic of headstones, when you purchase a grave, you buy it from the local authority, from your local county council. Again, you're told about the height of headstones. There's only a certain height allowed in particular graveyards. Again, this applies to everyone. I'll just leave this here and let people ponder on that. Is it one, I think what Julie's saying, one rule for the travelling community and one rule for uh, everybody else. Joan in Mallow says, I, I heard the woman before, oh that was the Joan, the other Joan who was the organist. I heard her uh, speaking saying the members of the travelling community have a, have a sense of entitlement and they want to receive everything for free. Well, we have people that are willing to work and just cannot find jobs and are forced to draw social welfare. While they're drawing the social welfare, they must show proof that they're looking for work. However, I've never heard of a member of the travelling community being cut off from social welfare. Are they ever asked for proof that they're looking for work like others in society. You see, members of the travelling community will come back with sh- to you on that and say they're discriminated against, that they find it very hard to secure work. There are members of the travelling community working, of course, but uh, the majority who are not working will say they feel very discriminated against if they even try and go for an interview. If, an interview, the minute it's realised they're members of the travelling community, they feel they don't get work because of that, because of their ethnicity, as they will now say. Mary Amala says, Peter Casey will get six votes in her house. He's not afraid to speak the truth. She is a relative home from America who says Donald Trump is doing great work for small business owners in America. They have the same money in their pockets as last, at last as others. And that even though you mightn't agree with everything Donald Trump says, he is good for business. And Mary is linking Peter Casey to being like Ireland's answer to Donald Trump. We had somebody else earlier on uh, making the very same point. I don't know how many uh, would agree uh, with that. Is he certainly in he, he doesn't seem to be afraid in what he says. And that certainly is something that you will agree with is what uh, is is certainly what Donald Trump does. Mary says they can do and get what they like. Those travellers Ethnic, my behind. They have new vans and uh, jeeps and they don't work. Will you ever pull the other one? That's from Mary. The Irish traveller says another WhatsApper is an embarrassment to the country. The Rathkeel Ramblers are internationally operating in criminality in America and Australia. The audacity of rejecting state-of-the-art new homes why? Because they can't be accommodated for their hobby, i.e. horses. The sooner the government stop pondering uh, to these so-called ethnic communities, the better. That's in my WhatsApp. Hi, Patricia. I think the travellers are asking for too much and I have seen them ill-treat their animals. This is tying in with what somebody else says. And beating and being very violent with a young girl just riding her horse at a fair in Ballinasloe and elderly people being very intimidated, says um, also, where do they get the money for all of their headstones? That's coming up again because they don't come cheap. And Anne says the old travellers were lovely people. My parents used to let them sleep uh, overnight and they were never any bother. 
You couldn't say that about members of the travelling community today, uh, sadly. OK, and there's also just an email in, just let me wrap it up, because I say we're just inundated with the amount of commentary we're getting on this subject. But let's finish it on this from Stephen and Mallow. Hi, Patricia. Well done to Peter Casey. I have no interest whatsoever in him, or I had no interest whatsoever in him until now. Finally, a person with a voice expressing his views, regardless of the PC grade. He will have my number one uh, vote, and I'd say thousands more as well. When will we wake up to the reality of the situation in this country? The PC Brigade and the liberal left loonies have this country ruined. Freedom of speech is different to hate speech. Nobody wants to hear hate speech. But every reasonable person wants to hear sensible, truthful speech, regardless of the subject. Ireland has just rid itself of the hundred-year dictatorship of the Catholic Church, only to be replaced by the dictatorship of the radical left. The country is simmering under the surface. It will only take a strong and brave voice, an Irish version of Nigel Farage, perhaps, to spark a right-wing revolution which will make the Brexit shock for Europe look like a garden party. Ordinary people are fed up of paying for everything and getting nothing, while the radical minorities bully the rest of us into supporting their agendas. Enough is enough. Bravo, Peter Casey. And that's from Stephen in Mallow, emailing Patricia at c103.ie. Okay, they are gardening questions coming in for Peter. Thank you for that. Just on a different issue that came in. Let's put this out there to see what people think about this. Hi, Patricia. Just something that has come to my attention recently, and it's to do with children's buggies. With all the talk of health and safety, I've noticed the modern day buggies in general don't have any luminous strips or anything like that, for it to be seen if the mum or dad is out with the baby at night, say, for example, if they're crossing the road or in a car park. With all of the modern technology, I wouldn't be surprised if they came with flashing lights these days, like they used to have on bicycles, but sadly they don't. Another thing I would like to see is to make it compulsory for those pushing those buggies at evening time, uh, evening time especially to wear high-vis vests. Have anybody else noticed that? Now, I haven't looked at a, a child's buggy in quite some time, but if there's anybody listening with smallies in the house, take a look at the, the, your buggy. Did, is there any luminous strips? You would have thought that they would all prams would have come with and buggies would have come with some kind of illumination on them for that very reason. Now, I suppose a lot of the walking that's done with children and buggies is done probably during the day. Maybe that's the reason. But that's not to say that people don't go out at night. They do. And if you have a child that's not sleeping very well, how many of us did that? Uh, put the child into the buggy or into the pram and went for a walk and it might have been late at night and I'm assuming the same thing happens today. So just take a look at that. Any Is there any luminous strips or any sort of safety features on the buggy or on your pram so that you can be seen at night or early in the morning if you're out early in the morning in, at dusk time? How are you are you seen by oncoming traffic or, or cars coming against you? Let us know if anybody can fill us in on that, uh, please. And can I give a quick mention to John Hooten, the Mallow photographer who joined us in studio a couple of weeks ago with what I thought was probably one of the most amazing books I've come across in a long, long time. It's a book of photographs, obviously. He's a photographer. And it's a book he called Ireland the Way We Were. And he managed to get access to boarded up houses. And it was over a year 
he was he'd come across a boarded up house when he was out doing his he does beautiful landscape and, and fabulous um, scenery photography it's just stunning he's had two books before this so that's why this book was very different and every now and again he'd come across a boarded up house so he'd find out from somebody who owns that house do you know where I could get a key to get in and uh, people left him in oh, I, I thought it was funny when I asked him do you know the people willingly let you in he said he did when people realised what he was doing they just wanted to go in and photograph what was the remnants of the house he said firstly though some people thought he was revenue and were trying to check up on these old houses now these were very very old houses some of them nobody had stepped foot inside for 50 uh, odd years but he threw back the curtains in some of these houses and took photographs and what struck me was the amount of religious photographs and statues that were left behind some of the houses it literally looked like the last person out just locked the door you know the coat was hanging up on the back of the door and um, the, there was even some houses where the wedding photograph which I thought was really sad you know, the wedding photograph was still left hanging up on the wall stunning stunning book and it's called Ireland the way we were and at the time John said he was going to have an official launch of the book and I said to him, would you ever send me on an email just to remind me so that I can remind listeners uh, when it's on? And he has uh, very kindly done that. So next Monday, the 22nd of October, eight o'clock in the Mercy Centre in Mallow, he's going to be officially launching the book. And there's also going to be an exhibition of some of the images from the book. And the launch has been done by local doll deputy Sean Sherlock in conjunction with the Mallow Camera Club. And his new website is also up and running if people would like to buy a copy of the book because I know he's got the book on sale locally in Mallow but this is a book I think that's going to travel I think because you could pick up this book and while the photographs were taken in boarded up or locked up not necessarily boarded up but locked up houses in Kerry and in Cork but you could pick up this book and I'm telling you it could be from anywhere in the country and everybody will open this book and you'll see part of your own childhood you'll see something in that book that you will say I remember that in my house or I remember it in my grandmother's house. It'll just bring back great memories for a lot of people. So you can go on to his website, which is www.john-houghton.com. John-houghton.com. And I know you'll be able to get a copy of the book there because certainly we had uh, a big reaction to the book at the time. It's called Ireland, uh, The Way We Were. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. The Fomoy Widows Association, their next meeting is on tonight at 8.15 in the Resource Centre. All widows and their friends are welcome. And the special guest uh, is going to do some light exercises with the group. The three tenors are appearing in concert at the Church of the Resurrection in Mallow this Friday night. Tickets are available at the Parish Centre office that's on Bank Place in Mallow. All proceeds are going to the Mallow Parish Capital Project Fund. There is a coffee day on this Friday from 10am to 4pm in the Barista Academy in Bandham. You're invited to pop in and enjoy their new blend of coffee from Rwanda called Ruko. All proceeds will be donated to Irish Community Rapid Response Air Ambulance. And the Terence McSweeney weekend that runs across this weekend to the 19th to the 21st in Kilmurray. The opening address uh, will be given in the church on Friday night at half past seven. And Kilbehany Community Centre 
they're hosting um, a dance, no, they're hosting a comedy fashion show uh, with the Kilbehany Model Agency and sketches from the local drama club, and that's on, on Friday night. Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. By the way, I've just been told that bingo's on in the Adele Quinn Hall tonight at half past eight with a jackpot of €5,100. And the Irish Heart Foundation want to thank everybody who supported and helped at their recent Churchgate collection in Tower and Newmarket. €935 was raised. While the Irish Cancer Society want to thank everybody who supported their Pink Ribbon Day, which was last Friday, also in Newmarket. €3,033 was raised. That's a staggering amount of money. Uh, Well done to everyone. We mentioned buggies and is there any reflective items you know to make them uh, light up at night Uh, somebody was on to say McLaren have reflective strips and items on their hood and on the back and the sides of all of their buggies so wrong to say that buggies don't have reflective items certainly McLaren which is a good make of a buggy Richard and Clon was on and I don't know if he's joking or not and I need to check with John Paul because he took the call uh, he's, Richard and Clon says why not offer the presidency of Ireland to Prince Harry and his wife Meghan if they're good enough for Australia they're obviously in Australia at the moment and Canada why not good enough for here in Ireland they would also bring the unionists together across Ireland I'm sure they wouldn't want the position if you are being serious uh, about it Rich, Richard um, okay some of your whatsapps coming in Oh, this is on farmers and the dumping of rubbish. Bernie says, Trish, we are farmers and we and our farm neighbours do put out and pay for our bins. We do not burn our rubbish. Unfortunately, we suffer big time from people who, by the way, are not farmers, throwing their black bags of rubbish over our ditches. This is an ongoing problem and it's dangerous, obviously, for all of our cattle as it can be used batteries, for example, in the bags. You could find anything in your field from a mattress, any kind of electrical good, dirty nappies, etc. The people who do this simply don't care. Kind regards, uh, Bernie. And I am assuming, therefore, you've got, as you're saying, you've got to go out and clean it. You can't leave it there because it's going to be a danger to any of the of the livestock. And then that has to be disposed of by going into your bins, which you are paying for which is very, very annoying indeed, uh, I have to say, and very wrong, very, very wrong. Uh, 1850-333-103, their questions for Peter. Thank you for that. Uh, Mike in Bantry says, I think people think they have a right to voice their opinion. Take a rest from it and bite your tongue, says Mike from Bantry. I don't know whose side of the fence you're on with that particular one, uh, but thank you. <laughs> thank you for your comment. OK, keep the gardening questions coming in. I want to go to something that I didn't get a chance to mention yesterday. We were hoping to do an interview on it and we put a call through to Rena Buckley, but unfortunately, she's, that girl is so, so busy in her physiotherapy practice. Uh, she wasn't available but I know some people have contacted us yesterday to say they were shocked by the story that was making the Irish Examiner yesterday and it's to do with Rena Buckley who we know is our she's not just our she's the country's most dedicated player when it comes to the history of Gaelic games in this country would you believe that our Rena was snubbed at a juvenile medal presentation event in a West Cork club club hasn't been identified, the club hasn't been uh, named. Why was she snubbed? 
because of her gender all because she was female now she was speaking at the launch you know this new initiative that's out uh, 20 by 20 it's all to do with getting a better uh, female participation and female uh, more attendance at female sports and there was a big launch of it uh, this week and obviously all of the various female athletes and sports people were attending and they were asked to kind of share their own stories of things that had happened to her so Rena got to tell her story and uh, she said what had happened was she was asked last year if she'd go along to present medals to a club team now she didn't at the launch identify she just said it's in West Cork somewhere in West Cork she was asked to go along uh, that there was uh, an under 14 ladies football team had won something and they said would you come down and present the medals and she said look I'd be delighted to and they said that also the boys did well they, they, the under 12s they're, they're going to get medals as well would you present them she said no problem at all so down she went anyway and she arrived on the night to present the medals and she was pulled aside by somebody now pulled aside by somebody who I imagine was absolutely mortified to say sorry about this but the GAA team don't want you to present the boys with the medals now bearing in mind this is an under 12 boys team you can present the medals to the girls under 14 but the GAA team, and I don't know who, what they mean by the GAA team. Do they mean the executive of the club? I don't, the committee. I'd, I'd love to know what they meant uh, by that. Now, Rena Buckley is an 18-time All-Ireland winner. You would think any little lad under the age of 12 would look up to somebody like that who has got 18 All-Ireland medals. She took part in 22 All-Ireland finals. You would think that to have the, your to be presented with your medal by somebody who is the most decorated player in the history of the Gaelic Games is something that would stand with you. Even for an under 12, they will remember it forever more. Now, she didn't make a hoo-ha about it. She said, that's fine. And then, but she, you know, she presented the medals and obviously she was there watching the under 12s getting their medals. They got a local guy, she said, to do it. And she says the local guy was mortified. She said he could hardly look Look at her. He was really embarrassed. But she said that's just the mindset of whoever was organising. And now she did say it's a rare thing. But she's, you know, saying this happened in 2017. Didn't happen in uh, 1886 or 1986. It happened in 2017. She said she wouldn't identify the club. She does accept it's a generational um, thing. And, you know, she's clearly hoping that attitudes will change. And particularly among anybody aged uh, 50 and under, she's hoping that that would never uh, happen. Something like that would never happen again. But I think it only happened last year is... And, and obviously the club, because this got publicity yesterday in the paper, so the club in West Cork, they know exactly who they are. I mean, sure, local people know exactly who they are. Anybody that was at that medal ceremony last year are now going to know that Rena had travelled down in the belief that she was going to present both the under-14 girls and the under-12 boys will now know what happened. And no doubt the parents themselves, I imagine, would be a bit embarrassed about it, about it all, embarrassed to be part of a club that I would turn around and say to the most decorated player in the history of the Gaelic Games I will know sorry you know uh, you, I was going to say you haven't got something which I wouldn't be allowed to say on air but because you're not a man you can't present the medals it's absolutely shameful anyway best of luck to this 20 by 20 initiative which aims to get 20% more media coverage of women in sport 
by the end of 2020. 20% more female participation at player, coach, referee and admin level by the end of 2020. And they also want 20% more attendance at women's games and events again all by 2020 so they're, they're putting in the 2020 uh, um, nicely and and hopefully by by Rena going public with this story she's going to be inundated with under, underage boys teams wanting her to come along and present the medals let's take a break and let's talk gardening with Peter Dowdle after these Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow it's family run so your loved one will feel at home see breedhaven.ie I'm looking out the window the sun is shining great day for gardening Peter Dowdle joins me the Irish gardener good afternoon to you Peter good afternoon it's uh, unbelievable uh, for the second half of October isn't, isn't it? it just great and the forecast is quite good as well this warm and snowy it's mild as well I know there's a bit of frost for tomorrow morning but I mean it's really going to um, shorten the winter isn't it if this nice weather continues Hopefully it doesn't uh, extend too far on the other side, but uh, I dread to think what lies ahead, but maybe that's just the pessimist in me. Oh, but, no. uh, it, it really is shortening it on this end, but you reminded me, thankfully, just by saying that about frost, uh, I had made a note to myself to make sure to mention to Patricia and to her listeners that with the cold, with this lovely fine weather, it is leading to cold nights and uh, anything that's anyway frost tender that should come in for the winter, I would be doing it immediately. Actually, that leads us nicely into the first question because somebody says, uh, Peter, could you please advise me what's the best way to store geraniums for the winter? I take it they're frost tender. They're exactly the type of plants that I'm talking about. Your geraniums, your tender fuchsias. Fuchsias come in two groups uh, without going off the point. You have the hardy fuchsias, which are the ones that we grow in the hedgerows all around Cork and West Cork and Kerry. But then we have the ones where we use the, the, the frost tender fuchsias, which would be many different colour flowers that we use in hanging baskets and window boxes. So those and geraniums and many, many other plants which we would grow outside during the summer need to come in for the winter. So either bring them in or cover them. If you want to leave them outside, cover them with horticultural fleece, which you'll get in your local garden centre and do that during the particularly cold nights. Uh, ideally, for those, though, you'd have them in pots and you'd move them in and to, to eventually answer the question how you, how you bring them in. Uh, if they're growing in pots, it's very, very straightforward. Just move the pots inside. Ideally, it would be in the ideal world, it would be a, a, an unheated polytunnel or an unheated glasshouse. Uh, obviously, not everybody has that, but even a good garden shed, what I mean by good is if it's getting a good amount of sunlight, um, really anywhere that's just going to give them a carport, even just somewhere that's going to give them protection from the frost. As I say, they don't need to be heated, just protection from the frost uh, and getting good amounts of sunlight. So, anywhere like that that you would have, if you don't have them in a pot, take them out of the ground move them into a pot or dare I say what I do which is take your chances <laughs> if you want and leave them out but that, you can do that too in many years they will come good Okay Peter do you know where <coughs> I can get an apple picker I had an old one it had an extended rod with a net it was excellent and the apples were never damaged I, I saw them where did I see them recently um that's a very good question. I didn't That's even know such a thing question. existed. And, oh, and, and, and a so, net yeah. on the end of it. Exactly. It's, it's just like a, an extended fishing net, if you like. So the apple, instead of shaking the tree and letting them all fall to the ground, it catches it in the net. Clever. Um, I'm going to say Hanley's and the Kinsale Road Roundabout will have them because I was up there this week. and But I'm based up there now. I have my office up in Hanley's. So I'm there quite a lot, so I'll double-check it before next week. But I know they have a good selection of tools. Um, so I, I'm going to say they have it because I know I saw it somewhere recently. Um, but I will double check that and okay. refer back to it next week. But I think they have. Uh, if not, you could 
try online, but I, I'd rather support the local. I, abs- I'm always yeah. saying that it's. It, I only go online if you can't. If you absolutely can't get it anywhere else, try try and buy it locally. If anybody knows where uh, one is available, uh, let us know. We'll be only too glad to share the information. Stay with apples because the listener has actually sent in lovely um, photographs of beautiful apple trees. Quick question for Peter: I've got five apple trees. They produce thousands of apples, but they're just too near the house. Is it possible to move them or would you kill them off? Now, these are big apple trees. Yeah, it's difficult to say without seeing it. If it's an established apple tree... They're established, I can tell you by the photograph. They're established apple trees. There's going to be... The answer is it possible is a very, very qualified yes, it is possible. But there is a huge risk in moving anything that's that established. Like, the way it's done professionally is it's, you know, there are specific, it's not just the JCB that comes in, there are specific, like, giant spades, if you like, that, that take out a whole ball of the soil, and they're not just lifted when they're 20 or 30 years of age and lifted out of the ground and moved. They're kind of lifted every year, just so that the roots are caught and kept. So, in other words, you might say, well, oh, sure, you might see one available that's 30 years old, so therefore it's obviously possible, but that's been treated in a different way. It's been yeah. caught every year. So, in this situation, it, it is possible, but huge risk. You really would need, if it's established like that, you would, you would be looking at something the size of a JCB to come in, get as much of the root ball as possible, cut the roots as cleanly as possible, because you know, when you go in with something like a digger, you're just pulling it out of the ground so the roots can run and snap and damage the bark, so there's huge risk. On saying all that, if it's too close to the house and you've no choice, then you have no choice, so give it a go. Yeah, and actually the, the listener the listener sent on uh, like a couple of, uh, three photographs in, in total, but one of them clearly shows how close three of them are uh, to the house. And a kind of a cautionary tale, you've got to be careful when you plant a tree. Now, I don't Absolutely. know who planted these day one. I mean, they're fabulous, great to have thousands of apples every year. But then you end up with this problem where they're nearly overshadowing the house. Uh, you're absolutely right. And it does it does illustrate that, if you like, that when you're planting trees, you need to be, you do need to be careful. You do need to think long term. You need to think what it's going to be like 20 years time. It's one of the, 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 the feedback, in fact, that came up from the one tree at a time thing that, that I'm, I'm running, Trisha, you, you took part in a few weeks ago. Yeah. And one of the things that people are saying is I should be advising, you know, they were saying it, not, maybe critically, but very nicely in fairness, that I should also be advising people where to plant them so as not to plant them too close to a house and just to think. And, and they're absolutely right. The feedback is absolutely right. That when you are planting a tree, just think exactly where you're going to plant it and think of its eventual height and spread in 20 years' time because a very small apple tree now might look lovely five feet from the house, but in time it'll be a problem. Yeah, okay. Please could you ask uh, Peter, this is Breda in Mallow, now this is one of these vague questions, if I can move a bush now. It's gone too (laughs) large for my front garden. It's beautiful, but it's simply gone too big. It's huge. I've no idea what it is. Well, we're going to go with a, a general answer because it's a general question. Uh, and that is that anything that you're going to attempt to move in the garden, you're coming into the right time to do it. So November to February is your window of opportunity to move anything in the garden. And it's because that this is the time of year, or that, not yet, but when it does, when the temperatures do drop far enough, that's when the, the plants are asleep, if you like. They've gone dormant for the winter. So when you take anything out of the soil, you, you inevitably will damage part of the root system. And the reason we do it during the dormant period is that the plant can repair that root damage before it starts actively growing again in the spring when it needs every bit of its root system. So we do that to give the plant a chance to repair the damage during the winter. Okay, so that's why we do it then. And to counteract that, then I would also prune the, 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 the plant back 
quite hard when moving it. And in fact, in relation to the apple tree there, I said, bring in a digger, bring in a JCB, get as much of the root ball out as possible, but also cut back what's over the ground very, very hard by over half, take off over half the growth. So that's a general answer to that question. Then there are some plants like your evergreen camellias, uh, hollies, conifers, most evergreens, your window is even shorter. It's kind of January, February is, is your uh, window to do that. And of course, I don't know what the plant is, but there are some plants that you can follow every rule in the book and they just won't move, they won't transplant, like Pittosporum will not transplant, and there are others. But in general, the time to do it is November to February. Okay, you've kind of answered Jane and Mallow once, uh, what's the best time of the year to move a holly tree? You're saying January? Yeah, that's right, January. January. Just, just pay attention to the weather, I would say, to Jane and Mallow, because last winter, because the winters are kind of getting a bit topsy-turvy. Not a bit topsy-turvy, but you know, we might have a mild enough January, but a very cold February. So you really want to do it during the, the iciest, coldest month of the year. Okay, Jane in Donnerill only burns timber. She wants to know the ashes. Could she put them into the compost because it's absolutely. only timber? Yeah, best of stuff. It's absolutely the best of stuff. It's it's natural potash to add potassium and phosphorus to the soil. You could you could spread it directly on the soil as a mulch, but not too thick because it's too, it's too dense, so it just becomes slimy. So, it, it, but it's a great addition to the compost bin. Catherine is contacting us from Hedford in outside Killarney. She's a spare area in the back of the house. It's a green area, but she wants to set apple trees. She wants to know Peter's advice, the best variety that he could recommend. It is a high area, so something that would suit those conditions. I was down in Killarney on Monday. I was down on the, rather in, on the road to Killarney and off to Kenmare and Cardanian and all that part of the world. And my God, Trish, on Monday, one of the sunniest, clearest days of the year. And what? It was a beautiful day, country. yeah. Oh, the country we live in is yeah. so beautiful. Yeah. Anyway, um, it is high in that part of the world. She's right, obviously. What she wants to do is make sure that the, the area she's talking about is getting a good amount of sunlight, so it needs to be uh, ideally facing south or southwest. It needs shelter from the wind. This is very, very important before we even go into variety choice. Uh, if it's a very windy situation, the apples won't pollinate. You won't get fruit because the bees can't do their job. It's just too windy, so the any windborne pollination won't happen. So, failing that in terms of good varieties, um, what I don't want to go through names now, but what you're looking for, if you're looking for a cooker, look for something like Bramley's, but Bramley's is what's called triploid. The reason I'm hesitant here, Trish, is because I could spend the next hour talking about it. So, no. Bram, Bramley's is one, what a triploid means is it means two other apples to pollinate it, okay? Most apple trees will just need one other to pollinate, so two of the same won't work, but one uh, and one that flowers at the same time as it will work. Again, it starts to get quite technical. It makes sound. It's actually quite straightforward, but I don't want to, to I'm conscious of your time. So if you want a, a nice juicy apple, a nice sweet apple, look for something like Katie as an eater or Elstar as a lovely eater. James Greaves then is a lovely green, which can double up as a cooker or, or an eater. Ramley, as I say, is a fabulous eater or cooker, of course. There are many... Um, but you know what? A lot of it comes down to personal taste. I wouldn't say there are some that are better growers than others. It's not so much that. It's just personal taste, whether you like a red sweet or, or a slightly tart green apple. Um, you could also get onto Irish seed savers, and they do the heritage apple trees, which is old Irish species. Which plant, is a fabulous which thing to plant. Well yeah. Worth doing, yeah, yeah, it's great. Actually, a lot of it to do with apple trees. John was on to say, I lost an apple tree in Storm Callum last week. It was there about 18 years. The trunk snapped down by the ground. Would the dry summer have caused this, John wonders, after 18 years? It's hard to know, unfortunately, for John, whether what caused it. It's 
kind of unfortunately for John without me so flippant is irrelevant if it's gone unfortunately yeah. um, it, 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 it's possible that the dry summer caused it but it's, no it's just more likely that the, that the direction of the wind I know after 18 years it's, it's put up with all these winds but just the direction and one particular gust will do it I wouldn't have thought it would be the dry summer if it if it had come out of the ground completely I'd say very likely it was a dry summer that the roots weren't as but to snap it actually snapped that's more a physical environment that's yeah. more the wind than any drought I would think I'll tell you how bad that how bad the wind actually it was. was very bad, yeah. yeah. Hi Peter, my roses were shocking this year. Is it too early to cut them? They're full of black spot and, and I do spray regularly but no good. Okay, I would say two things. Certainly it's not too early to cut them in this regard. If you if your roses are doing okay and there's still a bit of colour, leave well alone. But where they're covered in black spot and fungal infections, I would always, no matter what time of the year, I would remove the infection. So it's your best course of action, much better than any sprays in my book. It's just removing the, the infected growth. So cut it back. You can give it its winter prune now. Uh, cut it back hard. Cut it back to within a foot of the ground and, and remove the infected growth. Don't leave any infected leaves around the base of the plant. Don't throw the, the cuttings into the compost bin. You'll only spread the problem. Just throw it out. Dump it off site. Um, and when you're spraying, I would say the best way to treat black spot is prevention is better than cure. Um, so instead of using any of the chemical ones that are out there, which can be quite damaging to local biodiversity, just get yourself the old-fashioned copper sulfate, a uh, blue stone as it's called, mix it with water, water it on the, 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 the rows and the soil uh, at what burst, which is kind of when the leaves come into growth again next year. So depending when it is, depending on the temperatures, could be the end of March, could be mid-April, that's the time. Put that on and it works as an excellent preventative. Hi Peter, is it okay to use moss to line hanging baskets that you would collect from woodlands on the side of the road? Uh, I'm going to say yes and that it's fine from the point of view of the hanging basket and aesthetically it looks lovely. Um, I, I, I do know, I'm, I'm stumped because I do know that removing wild flowers oh. from, from, from the side of the road is illegal or from woodlands is Is moss the same? I can't really imagine any environmental police taking you to town. No, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't oh, no. either. Good luck with it. Yeah. Betty in Lambertstown wants to grow a Virginia creeper. Is there different types? She wants to grow it up the wall of the house. It's in a windy area. Are you, are you ready for the uh, Latin lesson? Go on. Um, Virginia creeper is the common name for a plant called Parthenocissus quinquefolia. And of course okay. we knew that. And the reason I say this, the reason I go into Latin now is um, quinquefolia is the species which means, any Latin scholars out there, quinqua is five. Mm. So it's a five-lobed leaf, okay? Right. So that's, that's actually technically Virginia creeper. But then you have another plant called Parthenocissus tricuspidata. Again, for the Latins among us, the tricuspid, that means it's a three-lobed leaf. So that's a different plant, and it's referred to as Boston ivy. So the reason I say all this is Virginia creeper is a term that's used for nearly all the plants that go red, during the winter. You know that gorgeous climber that you see particularly in old buildings that it goes lovely mahogany red at this time of the year before leaf drop. Um, it's technically Parthenocissus quinquefolia is the right plant but there are many different varieties of Parthenocissus which will have just different leaf shape. I'm sorry for the very long-winded answer but there are, I suppose the shortened answer is technically there's only one Virginia creeper but there are many plants which do a very similar thing. Probably the most, the most okay. way. All right. Okay, a quick one. How many runners should I pot from an individual strawberry plant? Honestly, as many as it's giving you, as many as it's producing, take off. The more you take off, you, you want to take them all off. So you may as well pot them all off. Okay, that's where we leave it uh, for today. Thanks for that, Peter.
If I could briefly, very briefly, okay. Trish, if I may, just anybody who's in Dublin this weekend, I'll be in the RDS speaking on Friday at 4pm, speaking on gardening, obviously, uh, and Saturday at 3pm, so just after the Munster match, if anybody's up there, um, and 12pm on Sunday at the RDS this weekend as part of the 50 Plus Expo. Okay, enjoy. We'll talk next All week. Right. That's where I leave you for today. I'll talk to you tomorrow at 10. Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.